Welcome to the Madison County Milk House. I'm Samantha Field, the Public Information Officer for Madison County. I hope everybody's having a great week and enjoying this beautiful weather we've been having. Today, we're going to be talking about the bicentennial celebration for the town of Fenner. Um, this is kind of cool because, you know, how many people can say, you know, they are around for a bicentennial of different, you know, villages or towns? I mean, like, I definitely wasn't around for the bicentennial of the United States of America, but, you know, it kind of reminds you that our country is very young. Joining us is Madison County historian, Matthew Ertz. Thanks for having me. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so you made me aware that I have not yet asked you, what are the three things you cannot leave your house without? Uh, my glasses, my keys, and my wallet. If I could throw my phone out the window, I probably would, but it's kind of <laughs> mandatory now. I mean, there are days. Let's talk about Fenner. Um, the town of Fenner is, I'm going with maybe one of our youngest towns. Yeah, so if you look historically, Stockbridge is a little younger, the town of Lincoln is a little younger, and technically the city of Oneida uh, was, was formed at the same time as Lincoln a little over 100 years ago. So Fenner was formed in 1823 from the towns of Casanova and Smithfield, and um, there's a really neat map that shows uh, from like 1829 that shows Fenner for the first time. And it's really neat because you see how it was originally parceled up, which is the the New Petersburg tract um, and the one mile strip. So it literally tells you how the town was divided into these two things and when they made the, the town that was part of the boundaries. So yeah, 1823, um, it was named after um, the governor of Rhode Island, James Fenner. Uh, a lot of folks that settled in Fenner uh, came from Rhode Island, so that kind of makes sense too. Well, that's kind of interesting. Um, and let's go back a little bit before then. So one of the you know places that people would know for Fenner is Nichols Pond. Um, you know, it's one of our county parks. Uh, tell us a little bit of history about what Nichols Pond has. To, you know, it may be true history or maybe just kind of you know stories told over the years. Yeah. So Nichols Pond is uh, long been rumored to be the possible location where. Samuel de Champlain uh, attacked the Haudenosaunee people um, around 1615-ish. Um, I don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but um, there's some markers up there that kind of clarify, and um, most likely was not. I'm, I'm about 99% sure it wasn't. It was more, much more likely that it was the Onondaga Nation um, where that attack took place, but we don't know that for sure. Um, we do know that because of that story in the 1950s and 1960s, professors from Colgate University and some other spots actually did archaeological digs, and there definitely um, was uh, a Haudenosaunee settlement in that area, much more likely that it was a, a settlement that was almost temporary. They, they would move on a pretty regular basis, but they would set up settlements for a few years at a time. Um, so that's much more likely. And, and in that era, if you've ever looked at Champlain's um, drawings and images, he drew it next to a lake, and that definitely, Nichols Pond was probably just a marsh at that point in time, so it doesn't seem likely that, that it would have been there, but but we definitely know that was a place where the United Nation um, um, definitely utilized and, and was there, um, and because we have the county park, they've done um, some modern digs when they've done different things, like a few years ago, they added a, a bathroom, and uh, they found a bunch of stuff there that kind of, again, confirms that notion of um, there was definitely... Uh, trade that took place there uh, with the Haudenosaunee people. So, yeah, a, kind of a neat story that it has a, a, a prehistory in the town of Fenner. And that is really nice. It's, it, it's a history of, you know, people that, you know, are even here still today. And, you know, yep. it, it dates back, obviously, you know, pre 
colonists coming in, or you know, actually young Americans, actually in 1823. Yeah. America is still very, very young at that point. Indeed, I mean, we to that point, we we know we have uh, Revolutionary War veterans that were part of the settlers there across Madison County. We, we had hundreds, but you know, Fenner was a place that also was settled by. Uh, those individuals that came out of the war, including the United Nation, um, that, that fought uh, and settled in that area. So they, you know, the settlers that came here and the fact that, you know, another town kind of needed to be formed because of the population size, I guess, um, out of Casanova and Smithfield. What were they coming here for? What, what were they doing? So the reason you're coming here is um, you're trying to get land that's probably fairly inexpensive, um, especially if you're a farmer and, and you're living in a place that's already settled. The cost of that land is pretty high when you come out and have to kind of clear it yourself. You're, you're getting a better deal, and if you're willing to put in that work, um, that opportunity exists. Fenner has somewhat ironically, Fenner's largest population was the first year it was in the census, which was 1830. It was a little over 2,000 people. Um, it dropped over the course of the years, down as low as 700, and, and now it's back up to about 1,600. But it hasn't really changed because it was settled by people setting up farms and agriculture, and that's really what it still is today. A lot of agriculture farms. And, you know, yeah. um, you you made a note that what were the kind of the top crops and other things going on there? Yeah, so in the mid-19th century, um, New York State did what they call agricultural censuses, and they looked at um, what was being done then. And Fenner... Um, kind of has a namesake, Mutton Hill Road, but Fenner had like a, a huge volume, um, almost 60,000 sheep that roamed the hills of Fenner in uh, the mid-19th century, 1855, 1865. So they had, a, that was a, a big, that was one of their big uh, animal livestocks. And then they grew uh, a pretty good portion of their crops grown at that point in time. And there was a mix, but oats and barley were the two uh, big ones. And that kind of makes sense, specifically 1865, because we had the start of the hop boom on uh, the 1820s. And obviously to make beer, you need hops and you need barley. So we definitely had breweries in places like Casanova and Lenox uh, and Hamilton at that point in time. Um, so odds are that barley was being sold possibly for bread, but also it was going to be used in alcohol production. So we were kind of self-sustaining our other crops here in their uses. Well, and that's, that's a big thing there. Um, most of the crops in this era – some of them are going to be shipped away, but for the most part, it's going to stay local. You have uh, mills that are going to be grinding uh, the, the wheat into flour, and the flour's going to stay pretty local. Same thing with corn. Um, so all that stuff is grown. Some of it's going to be shipped. Hops were shipped um, in bales and stuff like that, but a lot of it did stay local because that's how you kind of um, um, keep the community going. And to that effect, when you look at some of those old maps, you'll see things like one town might have six or seven cheese factories because – you're going to do local production for cheese. Right. Um, so, and not that, again, it doesn't get shipped out to some places, but, but you know, they're kind of self-sustaining, self-sustaining communities. So a lot we of didn't the, have the refrigerator trucks we have Right. Today. <laughs> so everything is going to be almost instantaneous. So when a town is formed or like a new town, you know, like what kind of makes that, is it population or is it, you know, more of like a, in other words, like a city center, you know, what were other markers that, you know, formed Fenner? You know, um, it was surveyed as part of the Shenango 20 towns originally, um, which in the, the um, oh, the late seven, uh, 18th century, late 1790s, 1789, somewhere in there, they actually drew out uh, a map that didn't include the northern part of Madison County, but kind of the most of the southern part. So that's when it was laid out. Why at that moment in time it came to be, I'm, I'm not really sure off the top of my head, um, but the best guess is 
you know, they determined that the need uh, for to have a localized government that oversaw things because that's when you get a supervisor, that's when you get a foot at the table of the county, that kind of stuff they felt was necessary. Um, you know, and, and like I said, that was their highest population, so they probably had enough people that felt like it was justifiable, um, and, and, and that was kind of how they went. Plus, that allows you to do your local codes and stuff like that. And it's actually kind of interesting. Fenner actually has two churches for not a large population. Well, they, they had three, um, oh. but the first two that kind of are referred to existed before um, before the uh, – town even existed so you have what we know today is the Fenner Baptist Church um, it was the first Baptist Church Society then was formed in 1821 um, that church is still here today uh, it's right near the town hall they're trying to turn it into a community center and you also had one of the very first uh, Presbyterian churches which was near the the hamlet of Perryville uh, excuse me, uh, Episcopal Church. So St. Stephen's Episcopal Church was formed in 1816, served as a church for almost 70 years. It was donated to the town of Fenner when the church closed. Uh, Perryville also had a, a, a Methodist church, and uh, the two churches were couldn't support, uh, there wasn't enough population to support the two churches. So when they went away from that, um, that church was donated to the schools and the, served as a school for almost uh, 70 years. And unfortunately, when they went to um, 1967, the school was going to be closed and they were going to a centralized district. The school burned down, or the school, former church, burned down. And uh, the bell from that church actually sits in front of the Perryville Methodist Church. Um, so it still exists in a way, but that if you've ever seen photos of the building, the building was absolutely stunningly beautiful. Uh, and it was a kind of a sad loss. But we are, they currently do have. Um, the, the Fenner Community Church, like, which, like I said, right now is, is kind of in limbo, and um, the Perryville Church still exists today and operates. And Fenner's got, you know, a history just like most of Madison County. You know, like they had ties to the abolition movement, which was very big here. Yeah, so um, they have a really unique story, a gentleman by the name of, of Lewis G. Clark, who was a former enslaved individual in Kentucky um, and escaped and ended up speaking during um, 1841 in Madison County, and he stayed with a gentleman in Fenner by the name of William P. Barrett, and he spoke in every single town. And in 1845, he published a book called uh, Narrative of the Sufferings of Lewis Clark During a Cap... Narrative of the Sufferings of Lewis Clark During a cap Captivity of More Than 25 Years Among the Algerines of Kentucky, One of the So-Called Christian States of North America Dictated by Himself. It's a very long name. That is a title that I don't think would exist today. <laughs> but the book, if you ever get a chance to read it, um, is very sad. Uh, he talks about his treatment and, and some of the insanely brutal things he experienced. Um, and he came and talked about that in Madison County. And that was one of those things we had very strong ties to the abolitionist movement. Um, and that was probably one of those things that opened a lot of people's eyes to the movement and to what was happening. Um, we had another enslaved individual, William Anderson uh, from Maryland, who lived in uh, the town of Fenner for a period. He was one of the um, people, one of the 50 former enslaved individuals that spoke, uh, attended the 1850 Casanova Fugitive Slave Convention, which was a huge event. Um, he lived here for approximately 15 years, uh, was a member of the Nelson United Methodist Church while he lived here, so we know a little bit about him, and eventually he moved on. 
Um, but yeah, we have that tie once again to the abolitionist movement with even some of our smaller towns um, and the role that that was played. So it's actually really interesting, you know, like that Thunders has such a big history over the last 200 years of becoming an actual town. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, more about maybe some other people that may have came come from there? Yeah, so one of my favorite stories is a, a woman named Floris Rice who grew up in Fenner. Um, as a young adult, she moves to New York City and marries a guy by the name of Edward Knox. Um, she had a very beautiful singing voice, and she became a contralto singer at the Lafayette Avenue Presbyterian Church in Brooklyn, New York. Um, she became so popular that she was given a benefit at the Academy of Music, uh, which earned her enough money to pursue a musical studies in Paris, France. She completed her studies, comes home, and she became a very well-known opera singer uh, in, in the United States. She sang across the world, eventually comes to New York City, where she was regularly hired to sing at benefits and fundraisers. Um, unfortunately, she died in 1914, and she's buried in Brooklyn. But, you know, those ties to a small community was someone that made a big impact on a lot of people's lives. Well, definitely. And, you know, I mean, as things changed and our country got a little bit older, you know, the railroad kind of came in. What kind of um, effect did the railroad have on Yeah, there? so the Casanova-Canastota Railroad um, opens in uh, 1875, um, excuse me, in 1870. It eventually becomes the Lehigh Valley Railroad. It's a unique thing because uh, for a short period, there was a railroad stop called Blakesley, which was near the hamlet of Perryville. It gives farmers an opportunity to start sending their goods to market in other places because you have a fast transportation uh, avenue. And when you're up in the hills of Fenner, the Erie Canal is, is pretty far away to mm -hmm. kind of take your stock. Um, so Blakesley exists from the opening in 1870 until about 1938-ish is when it closes. It also shifts over the course of time. There's a number of uh, quarries still that exist in Fenner today or, or just north of Fenner in the town of Sullivan. Um, Perryville's kind of unique in that one side of the road of Perryville is Sullivan, one side is Fenner, and then if you get just a little further down the road, it's the town of Lennox. So you kind of, Perryville's kind of in, in three spots at once, but um, towards the end of that time at Blakesley, they even had quite literally a rail stop that went through the quarry to literally allow them to just drop the stone into the, the cars and, and move on. Um, so the railroad kind of changes how stuff is shipped, how farmers get their wares to the general public, and eventually kind of creates a new industry with the, the ability to ship uh, stuff from the quarry. It's really interesting because, you know, like we know so much, well, I learned so much about, you know, like the railroad and obviously the air canal because I'm more from the northern part of Madison County. So knowing how this, how the railroad impacted like the more southern part of Madison County, it's it's very interesting. And it was a really big deal because you have spurs, you know, you have uh, the main rail line, the Midland, uh, in the northern part of the county, but you have spurs that come up. The Canastota Casnoe becomes a part of the Lehigh Valley. You have ones uh, that on the eastern end of the county that do the same thing, that come up through Earlville, Hamilton, um, you know, and they kind of replace the canals because you have the Shenango Canal in the eastern part of the county that went down to Binghamton, that their most profitable time was literally when they were delivering the stuff to make the railroads that were going to be the end of them. Um, so it was really important, that development that allowed the southern parts of, of the county to have more access and be able to grow. And then, um, you know, um, give us a little bit more about maybe some more modern history of Fenner. Yeah, so when we talk about Fenner, a couple of stories to me come to mind. Um, and the first is um, 
our World War II, the, the first person killed uh, in uh, from Madison County was a guy by the name of Laverne Austin who was on the USS Arizona during the attack on Pearl Harbor. Austin was born in Fenner. He lived in Fenner, graduates from Casanova Central Schools, um, joins the Navy in uh, 1940, um, trains in Newport, Rhode Island, goes to San Diego, and then he was at Pearl Harbor in August of 1941 and was there until his death. Um, His remains were recovered, and he is buried in Peterborough Cemetery today. But again, a a unique story um, of of someone from a small community that took part in one of the biggest actions, you know, in in the history of the world. Um, Along with that, there's some stories about just how weather, uh, when we talk about northern or central Madison County up in the hills, you've got some unique weather that sometimes pops up. Yes. In uh, 1954, Hurricane Hazel blew through. Uh, caused significant tam- damage, including blowing through the town of Benner, uh, town of Fenner Barn. Uh, the storm blew down trees, electric telephone lines. Um, an insurance agent from Casanova stated he had twenty thousand dollars, which would be about ten times that, about two hundred twenty thousand dollars today, in claims, and that was just in his little uh, immediate area around Casanova. So it was caused huge volumes of dollar damage, and we have great photos of what the town barn looked like. It was a, a concrete block barn, and literally one entire wall was blown in by the storm. Um, amazingly, there was almost no rain in that storm. So you have this huge windstorm that causes all this damage. But almost no rain, so you have no flood damage. You just have the damage of, of the trees and everything coming down. Um, just a few years later, in 1958, we have great photos from our highway department of um, more than three feet of snow fell over the course of a February w- uh, weekend. What made this interesting was it was a very blustery weekend. Drifting caused the snow to go as high as 16 feet in some areas. Um, Local uh, local churches did not have service. Milk deliveries could not be made. The mail shut down. It was a huge event. Uh, the, the, when they realized that they were going to be out for a little while, one of the fun stories that came out was farmers started using toboggans and going across the top of the snow to deliver their milk to market. Um, and where this might be, you load up a truck and make one trip. Some of them were making 10 or 12 trips on toboggans uh, trying to get the milk to the market. So, you know, we have these kind of unique weather events that become really important uh, and remind us when we go through storms today, it could always be a little bit worse. It could be worse. And I'm always reminded that if the apocalypse happens or there's a really bad storm and we don't have power for a while, I'm finding a farmer. Because <laughs> they are always inventive and creative in ways of finding out how to get something done. If you're ever bored, there is a great <laughs> video on YouTube called Plowing the Tug Hill Plateau which deals with Pompey is the closest to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from the 1920s, and it literally shows how they would plow roads, and it's like they would back up, floor it, and just ram the snow. Um, Definitely so, different than today. Yeah, well, they were more reactive at that point in time. So you'd let all the snow fall and then try and clean it up. Today we're, we're much better at keeping our roads clean uh, than we were then, but as, it's kind of fun. Yeah, as you're telling the, the snowstorm story, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, if anybody knows Fenner, you know that it's good, the snow is going to drift, and they're probably going to have a little bit more than everybody else <laughs> around them. When you get up into the hills of Madison County, it's always an interesting experience. If you go up uh, the Oxbow yep. at the top of the hill, you start and it's green on the bottom, but as you make it to the top of the Oxbow, it's not green anymore. It's like it, going it's... to Colorado, going to the Rockies. <laughs> You're like it's sixty below <laughs> down in the valley, and there's no snow. And then you get to the top of the Oxbow, and it's you know negative five and covered oh. in snow. <laughs> 
<laughs> but but one of the unique things of Fenner is it really hasn't changed. It's still a largely um, agricultural town. The industry that does exist, the few industries that do exist, uh, are typically tied to the agriculture of the town. Um, you have the the aquatic place, and there's a few others. Um, and then, but the neat thing now is we have new types of agriculture that come in there. You know, uh, we just went through open farm days, mm-hmm. and um, we had uh, they have a goat farm up there, which that was not something you saw too much of in the 19th century. The the but the you know we have the traditional dairy farms and things like that too. But we also have farms that have existed forever. The Cody farm has been in the same family since you know the the 1860s, 1870s. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so you have a lot of those same families that are, that are still utilizing the land to produce, you know, income and a life for them. And, uh, actually, if you're more interested in learning about the bicentennial celebration of Fenner or, you know, Fenner itself and visiting Fenner, they're actually having the bicentennial celebration on August 12th, which is Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, it'll be at Fenner East Road. So I'm pretty sure that's the town hall, town hall right there. Um, you know, it's family fun. There's going to be food trucks, ice cream. Matt will be there telling the history of Fenner. Uh, you know, Madison County Sheriff's Office will be there with their SWAT trucks, uh, probably some other, you know, highway vehicles there, uh, child, safe child ID, and just hang out, get to know more about Fenner, uh, meet some people from there, learn a little bit more about the history. And it's just a great day to celebrate, um, if you will, a older but young town here in Madison County. It, it's like a teenager compared to most of the towns. Um, <laughs> it, it's, in its, it's in its teen years, so now we need to worry about it for the next 200. <laughs> um, it'll be fun. We were able to locate some photos um, to be able to tell some of the stories. You'll hear a lot of what I talked about today, but we'll have some other stuff within there as well. We'll also actually have those farm statistics I talk about, so you can see all the weird stuff that um, – was grown there. And one of the fun things to look at those as you see things today that would be unique. Um, you know, we, we were growing hemp and stuff like that back then. And, and you see different things that t- traditionally aren't grown. Um, we'll also have a bunch of maps. Uh, if you've ever gone to our website, you will see that we have the historic maps traditionally. Which are so cool. Um, we're going to have some of those available if you want to pick one up. Um, so, you know, that'll be a great opportunity as well. Um, I will be there the entire time kind of hanging out, talking to folks about history. Hopefully folks will bring in some of their photos. Um, you know, we'll, we'll pull out some of the ones. Like I said, we have some really neat photos of, of the um, – the snowstorms specifically in Fenner, but uh, some other things too. The snowstorms are great because there's always one guy that's standing in the middle with his arms raised in a 15-foot banks around him. And when you see bulldozers clearing off the roads because the plows didn't have enough power. So so when we get a foot this coming winter, don't complain. <laughs> it always could be worse. And be it appreciative be of your county, your town, your local highway department because those guys work really, really they hard. They really do. We appreciate everything they do. So head on out to Fenner on August 12th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, you know, if you know some stories, bring them over to Matt. He'd be gladly will, you know, listen and learn more about the town. We're working on some projects now. I think um, probably sometime in September we're going to do an event where we sit down with four, four or five octogenarian farmers from Fenner and just let them talk, um, which will be fun. Which will uh, be very fun. We might run out of camera power. We're just going to bring multiple ways to uh, record their conversation. So, you know, because um, that's one of the fun things that I really get to do is, is document history as it happens and also talk to folks who, you know, you look at the history of farming, those guys probably started with very early equipment and today you have stuff that's powered by satellite and the USGA and um, 
So that kind of stuff makes it for an interesting story, and we want to make sure we document those stories for the future. And I do have to say, like, I've, you know, people have been talking about the Bicentennial Celebration to me since January. So there are very proud people in Fenner that really, you know, they've put a lot of heart and soul into this event. So head on out, and as they say in on their flyer, meet your neighbors, learn more about the history of Fenner, and head on over. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Until next time.